Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. I'm excited to be here because I am a daughter of the house. I have been at Vine Life for 25 years. And uh, some of you guys know Melody Lippert. She was the first person I met at Vine Life. I went downstairs, and I can still remember she wrapped her arms around me, and we made um, macaroni rainbows to remind us of uh, God's promises. And I've been here off and on ever since. And I want to honor the house because I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. And... um, I know that I'm living in the fulfillment of promises and prayers of people who have been here before me and the generation of people who have stood contending for what they knew Vine Life was. So if you, I think of a generation as, you know, we typically define that as 10 years. If you've been at Vine Life for 10 years or longer, would you please stand up? And I want to honor that I'm here because you've been there. And I am who I am because of who you are. So let's honor these guys. Thank you. Um, Didn't mean to start out that emotionally, but I just know that I'm the fruit of these people in this room. Um, So today I want to talk a little bit about our why. And when Luke approached me about speaking, I... I asked the Lord, what do you want me to say? And he said, I don't want it to be about what. I want it to be about why. And I want you to impart your why. And so I want to start with recognizing our grids for how we co-mission with Christ. We have been co-missioned. But we come into that with a lot of different expectations and understanding of what that would look like. When... In the Old Testament, I want to read a few scriptures because there was a lot of understanding at the time that Jesus came of what he should do and would do and look like on his mission. Um, And so there were people waiting for this certain expectation of his mission on the planet. So in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, this is one we read all the time um, during the holidays, but it's, it's powerful. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And then Isaiah 16.5 says... In love, a throne will be established. In faithfulness, a man will sit on it. One from the house of David, one who in judging seeks justice and speeds the cause of righteousness. So it's clear that there's going to be a kingdom that comes. There's going to be a throne and there's going to be a king on the throne and his kingdom isn't going to end. There's going to be longevity and extension to that. Um, Even when Daniel is... um, interpreting King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he unpacks the fact that um, in the statue, if you remember, there's a statue, and in the statue, there's this piece that, that speaks to the Messiah coming. And so in Daniel 2, 44 through 45, 
It says, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. So there's that dream, and Daniel says, this is what that's speaking to. It's this kingdom that's going to come and isn't going to end. What's interesting, though, is that at the time that Jesus was coming, there were all these grids about interpreting this, right? There's, there were the Zealots, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Essens, and they all had these interpretations of what it would look like. Some thought it would be complete revolution. Um, some had partnered with Greek culture to kind of say, hey, we're going we're gonna to see how this whole... Um, spiritual thing works while we go ahead and, and agree with your cultural um, expectation of the church. Uh, there were ones who had said the law is it. You know, the Pharisees had said the, it will be the manifestation of the law. And then there were ones who thought it was going to be apocalyptic, that they would just boom, go, and there was going to be complete apocalypse. And that was their grid for what the mission of Christ would look like when he hit the planet. They had an expectation and an understanding of, hey, when the throne comes, this is how it will manifest itself, and there will be a kingdom. It would be easy to interpret it that way. Like, I'm constantly asking the Lord for this season that I would lose my grids that would keep me from missing what he's doing, because I could read that and assume, oh, when you show up, you're going to be a king on a throne and there will be a kingdom and all these other kingdoms will stop. It's not like they're crazy for thinking that that's what it told them. And, and yet they were so busy looking for the throne that they missed the king. And so their lack of intimacy kept them in their grids rather than in relationship. And there were ones who without their spiritual expectation could perceive who he was, even though it didn't look like what they thought it was going to look like. They didn't have their, their grid up of, you're going to come as a king in a throne instead of a baby in a manger. So I want to look at three people who recognized who he was um, in spite of what could have potentially been their expectation of how he was going to show up for them. Uh, so in Luke 1, 39, this is when Mary has been filled with the Spirit and has conceived Jesus, and she goes to visit Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then I want to read in Luke. Um, so Elizabeth is this first picture of um, someone who Jesus walks in the room, and she is aware of who he is. She's aware of his mission, even though he's not a king on a throne or overthrowing um, the culture or the, the government. He's not in a political 
um, uniform. He had, he has a baby in a womb and she's like, I know who you are. Oh my gosh. My Lord just walked in the room and the Holy spirit was on her. So now let's go to Luke two, 25 through 38. And there's two more people that we're going to look at. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations." a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So there's kind of one common theme that we see with ones who were able to perceive who Christ was in spite of what he looked like, and that is the presence. They all had the Holy Spirit move and manifest on them in such a way that when Jesus showed up, they said, you know, this isn't what I thought you would look like, but I remember this is what you smell like, and this is what you feel like when you walk in the room. And it's not my expectation. It's not even what I could say in scripture would be outlined for me on, in my grid. But I am so in touch with the flavor of you, Jesus, that when you are in a womb and you walk in the room, I know who you are. And I can sense that you're here and I can partner with your mission on the planet, even if it doesn't look like what I thought it would. Even John the Baptist was like, hey, dude, you said you were going to like do all these things and I'm still in prison. And Jesus had to be like, blessed are those who aren't offended when I don't move the way they think I'm going to. There had to be enough intimacy for them to recognize who he is apart from what it looks like that he's doing. Because that's how we partner with his presence. We partner when we can feel him walk in the room and we go, oh, I didn't know you were going to look like that, but here you are. Um, so I want to actually pray right now. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that there are some people who might be in a situation where Jesus is showing up like a baby in a manger instead of a king on a throne or your war horse that you thought he was coming on. And you need to understand and see and perceive who he is in the midst of your circumstance because it's not quite looking like what you were expecting. And I feel like God wants to wants to release something over people who need that right now, that they need a moment where they can see what he's doing in the midst of their circumstances, regardless of how he's showing up to do that. So if that's you, if you just want to stand up, I just want to pray for you real quick, where if you feel like, Lord, I, I'm, this isn't 
these circumstances aren't matching what I thought you would do or how you would show up, but I need to perceive you in the midst of them. I want to pray for you right now. Father, there are situations in this room where you are on a mission. You are on a mission on behalf of each one of these circumstances. You are in the midst of the story. But would you help each heart here to perceive where you're at and what you're doing, even if it doesn't match our grid or our expectation of how we thought you would show up? And would you minister to the places where we were waiting for the lion and you're showing up like the lamb? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So I want to show you this quick video because what we do when we commission is far less important than why we do it and how we do it. And so I want to show this real quick and then I'll give some more context and explain it. It's called, how do I know? And a lot of times when people hear the phrase, how do I know? The next thing they say is what? How do I know what? But the key really isn't to know what. The key is to know why. Because when you know your why, you have options on what your what can be. For instance, my why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. My what is stand-up comedy. My what is writing books. My what can be going out with some friends to eat. In fact, another what that has moved me towards my why is a, a web series that we have out now called Break Time. So every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, you should subscribe to the, to the channel. Uh, we do a series called Break Time on YouTube. So 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode. One episode in particular I'm about to show you a clip to. We were in, uh, we were in Winston-Salem. So Break Time, this is how it works. I travel the country. I do stand-up comedy probably an hour, hour and a half at an event. And in the middle of my show, I'll just sit down and start talking to the audience. And funny just happens. Or I'll meet somebody who's really interesting. So I met this one guy, and he said that he teaches music at a school. I was like, all right, you teach music, you know, um, can't you sing? And then uh, I'm just going to show you the clip. Check it. So you're a musical director. Yes, sir. All right, so... um, let me get a couple. Let me get a couple bars of like uh, "Amazing Grace." Can you do the first part of that? Go ahead. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow, that brought a sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the
Here's the thing. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time I asked him to sing, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what has more impact because you're walking in or towards your purpose. Right? I... I... I think that the Lord is inviting us early on in this series to recognize not just what it is to commission with him, but why we do it in the first place. And that's because we have intimacy that when he, we walk in such intimacy and, and, and connection that we can perceive what he's doing and who he is outside of our grids. Um, so I, I, there's a couple places where we see this in the scripture. One is Mark 9, 25 through 29. And this is the story where there's a young boy and he's having seizures and he's, you know, the, the community believes that he's possessed. It throws him into the fire. It's trying to kill him, right? And the disciples try to pray and move it out and they can't. So Jesus steps in, and it, he, it says, When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Another, in Matthew, it says it can only come out by fasting and prayer. But here's the thing. I believe the disciples came with this understanding of like, what were we doing wrong? And Jesus is like, it's not what you were doing wrong. It's why you were doing it in the first place. Fasting and prayer are keys to intimacy. It's not that the demons needed a different what. They needed a different why. They needed someone to walk in the room who had spent time before the throne, just like Anna, fasting and praying 24-7, so that they walked in the room and said, I'm the boss of this. Like, I know who I am. I know my intimacy and my father. And I get to move this out because this isn't who you are. And that's a why, not a what. What Jesus prepared in advance in his own intimacy and prayer and fast him allowed him to perceive what the father was doing and to move in agreement with that. He was co-missioned because of intimacy, not because he knew the right thing to say or he had the right healing prayer tool. He had intimacy that gave him his authority. Okay, the next one is um, in Acts. And this is with the sons of Sceva, and it's where there's all these things happening in the New Testament church, and people perceive that, oh, there's, a, there's anointing on this. There's something to the name of Jesus. So it's Acts 19, 13 through 16. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about. 
but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Okay. God is not on a mission to get something done. He's on a mission to be with someone. Where the sons of Sceva came in and said, you know, we've got to kick these demons out, but we're going to invoke the name of a guy we don't have any intimacy with. The Lord was clear in identifying they were sons of Sceva. They didn't recognize their own sonship as, as under Christ, right? They were walking in different sonship under Sceva. And they think the end goal is deliverance. And Jesus is like, who are you? The whole spirit realm is like, who are you? You don't, you don't get to come in here and do anything if there is an intimacy where you recognize your identity. Because Jesus isn't just going to get something done. He wants to be with someone. I remember praying, Lord, I want to be in this place where everywhere I go, people are just getting healed and I don't even have to say anything. I don't even have to do anything. I just walk in Target and boom, like everybody is done. And he's like, I would never do it that way. And I'm like, well, why? And he's like, because that doesn't involve any relationship with you. You could do that outside of intimacy, but that doesn't require you walking in your identity. So I don't want you to walk in a what without your why. I don't want, I want you to have to hear my voice. I want you to partner with what I'm doing. I want you to perceive who I am in target so that I can co-mission with you. It's not about the end game. And I believe that if we move from this place where we attend an outreach, like this attendance mentality to a presence mentality, our fruit will shift from projects to people. We can't keep attending something. We have to be present with someone. We can't keep scheduling when we'll love people. It won't come with our grid. It won't come the way that we're expecting it to. And then we'll miss it. So if we rest in the secret place presence, and we are Anna's and Simeon's that reside in the temple place, when he shows up, we know what he smells like. We can co-mission with him. Um, so I have this story where I was going grocery shopping and um, the Lord said, uh, I want you to be present in the produce and I want you to leak by the lettuce. And, and so I was like, okay. And uh, I walked in and I was just really intentionally being aware of his presence while I was in the produce. And, and over by the lettuce, I started to just leak atmospherically. And this guy comes from the other side of the produce department and comes walking right toward me. And he goes, my son just committed suicide yesterday. He was 16 years old. And he just started to weep. And I just was there with him. And um, we prayed. And I was able to minister to him and just bring levels of care, whatever. I didn't know what to say. But I was aware enough that there was someone there who would have left unmet if I was up for attending something instead of being present somewhere. And my intimacy in the secret place is what sets me up for that in a daily way. So in my vulnerability, I want to give away what I carry in that. And I felt like the Lord said, don't just teach about what, impart your why. And I, um, I want to do that. I want to give away what I, whatever I can to you in terms of what I walk in in the secret place that moves me into commissioning. Um, in Romans 
it says, um, For I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may mutually be encouraged by each other's faith. I'm not up here to say that I have it or I've got it. Like, I am walking this out. But I want my floor in this place, or my ceiling in this place to be your floor. Where when we move forward in figuring out all these ways that we can be among us, that Jesus is among us, how I move in that is the secret place. And spending time in intimacy with him that allows me to smell him and be with him wherever he's at and whatever he's doing. So I'm going to ask Mark to come up. And impartation is a biblical principle. It's where I have a key, and this is Piper's word. When she said that, I was like, Lord, let that be true. If I have a key that allows me to access intimacy where I can co-mission with him in presence, then I want to give that away. Um, So Mark is going to play, and I'm going to pray. And if that is something that you're wanting greater depths in, and you're wanting to be able to have your spiritual senses awakened due to your intimacy in the secret place. Maybe you, maybe you haven't even spent time in a secret place. When I'm talking about a secret place, I'm just talking about that place where even right here, I can become aware of him and feel him. It's where he and I hang out together. It's, he, it's where he and I spend time. And some of you maybe have never even accessed that place. So you just need the release of, of the capacity to, to go there and find that place with him. I also felt like the Lord said, there's some people who avoid the secret place with me because they're afraid of what I'm going to say. So I believe that the Lord's going to speak to some people about safety, that if you're resistant to go into that place of intimacy, that's not true. He only has good things to say to you, and I believe he'll meet you in that place where there's hesitancy to go there. Um, But if that's something that you would like, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to lay hands on people and give away the thing. The whole reason why I'm here, the whole reason why I do anything, and that's because I'm in love with him. And I want to give it away. I want you to be able to access him in that way if it's not something you've been able to experience. And I want to offer you upgrade if it's something you do. And I want you to co-mission with him because it's so fun. It's so fun to love people because you're in love with him. So if that's you, go ahead and come on down. And I'm going to pray for impartation of increase in the secret place. And then I'm going to go around and lay hands on people. Jesus, this is our why. And this was your why too. You wanted to be with us. You wanted to be among us. It's all for relationship, Lord. So right now, in the spirit, I give away the capacity and the key I have, the key that I carry to be in the secret place with you. To have intimacy with you that allows me to recognize you when you walk in the room. Lord, I give that to every heart here. And I pray an increase right now in Jesus' name on their ability 
to see and perceive who you are through intimacy in your throne room, Lord. And Papa, I thank you that wherever people haven't known how to be safe in the secret place with you, would you speak truth right now? Would you speak perfect love that would cast out fear in Jesus' name so that we can, we can be with you while you're doing all your fun, amazing things on the planet, Lord? 